When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know how, like, in baseball you can trade for uh, other teams' international signing pool money? Sure. Can you trade for, like, other co-workers' vacation days? Like, could oh you swing God. a deal with Kenny? Absolutely not. Trade me three weeks and be just fine. What are you going to do with me? We get things rolling with the opening bell. One ring the bell. Zucker in shorthanded. Zucker scores! Niederreiter grabs the loose puck, fires a score! Zucker may have tipped it out front. Sends it across for Zucker. Zucker has a chance at a hat trick. He got it! The empty netter seals it! This is a great effort, and uh, they uh, they sacrificed all of them tonight. And You know, I think you know when you block 28 shots, and the other team still gets 41. Your, your, your goaltender is playing great. The team is sacrificing, doing a lot of good things. Well, he's got the speed, and he's going to the front of the net. And when you go to the front of the net, usually good things happen because that's where the pucks end up. And uh, he's got in, bought into that. And you know, I think he scored the last five goals we've scored. So yes, he has. Him. Jason Zucker. Do me a favor and uh, play goal one again by Zucker last night. Zucker in shorthanded. Zucker scores. Now, here's my question. Is the uh, Stanley Cup parade after uh, after the Wild clinched the cup in wow. Game 7 you last are, night, look at you is right it going now. down wow. 94? What's the problem with wow. you? It, is it going down 94? You are such a salty human being. It, is, it going, is it going east, <laughs> west? Is it going down 35? Are we going to Iowa and coming back? Well, I, I think it should go at least partially down Nicollet, but I don't think that's done yet, right? So the Super Bowl's in five minutes and Nicollet's not done. I thought, it, you know what? As far as, as far as I, could, I was concerned from that highlight, I thought the Stanley Cup was done. See? <laughs> Over, you know boys. what? When, We're you, champions. when you've been playing the way they have and getting the results they have, when Jason Zucker breaks free, shorthanded, on the road, tough environment, go crazy, folks. I don't right. know why you have to be so all right. critical let, all the time. Let me off. Let me offer correct praise here, okay? All right. If you guys want, if you want praise, Dave Harrigan, I will. I will. I don't want you... praise. I just want you to not be a Richard about it. Oh, I can't help myself. Sorry. Sorry, that's not going to happen. Not on this show. Okay, so the praise last night, the Zucker hat-trick's great. And you know what? Congratulations to Zucker. He's got five goals in two games. His wife... At least somebody a, has a pulse on that roster right now, yeah, and, and yeah. he's been great. They've got the the kid was born last week, and now he's getting a ton of sleep, and so he's scoring goals. And that's a great little story. But here's the praise for last night. Devin Dubnik. I said this on yesterday's show. I said, win a bleeping game. Win a game. Come out there and stop every shot, and let's stop seeing goals go off your butt and off your skate and off the boards, and they go off your head. Just win a game. 41 saves last night. 
The second period, the Wild did not play well, and Dubnik was outstanding. They came back and scored all three of their goals in the third. So Devin Dubnik, who went into last night's game, and I think you brought up these stats on the show yesterday, 29th in the league in goals against average and 31st in save percentage. I'm the hockey motivational whisperer. Yeah, so yeah. good. you know what? Good for you. Although Devin you Dubnik still has more assists than Jonas Brodeen this season, but we'll work on that. We'll, we'll work on that uh, going forward. And, and the power play is also a two for its last 31. And Zucker has your last five goals, which means in the last two games, no one else has scored. All of that all of that being said, Devin Dubnik did exactly what I said I wanted to see him do. You know, Jason Zucker has been an intriguing player for about four years now. He seems like the type of guy that like, I don't think he's ever going to be the overall well-rounded superstar that, you know, that Zach Parisi was. But in terms of just scoring prowess, it feels like he could be a 30-goal guy for two or three years here, like before his prime runs out. Uh, and I mean, having five and two games helps. He's got eight already on the season, but doesn't it feel like Jason Zucker could be among a good playoff teams, like top three scorers at least? And there's a little snipe factor there to Jason Zucker that maybe doesn't exist with some of these other guys. Yes, he, he could definitely score. Give me, uh, Phil, give me the baseball equivalent of a guy who you who you see play for stretches of time and looks really good, and then sort of regresses, and then and then somebody they either bench him for a day or something. And he gets and he gets that spark back. That's Zucker. Zucker was mm-hmm. and and I, I'm not gonna go with the no sleep thing because of the kid because he's done this before. Because you don't they, ever want to use life they, events and important no, things no, I do. as no, excuses no. for missing work or performance. I am I am I am number one on the list of I get very concerned when athletes' wives or girlfriends are pregnant or their parents are sick because their play often re- regresses. But Jason Zucker is the type of guy who they dropped him on Monday against Boston to the third line to start that game, and Boudreaux was unhappy, and it works almost every time. He comes back after a demotion, and it doesn't even have to be for an entire game. He comes back and plays well. So, uh, For the record, my cat, one of them woke me up at like 4.15 this morning, so I'm going to be a little tired. Not not sure if I'm going to be able to make it through the four hours. I found so out. I have some empathy for. I read yesterday that Devin Dubnik's wife is pregnant again. Let's just say I might know why the goals against is a little bit high. I do buy into I, I that theory. Like that's a, that's a pretty it's a life deal. tested and true theory that if there's a pregnancy or something in the family. That, and there's no blame to be assessed. Well, but, well except for you. But, no, blaming no. people for building families. Okay, just quickly. And, and missing their jobs. Alex Stalock, congratulations. You handled this perfectly. Wife was go. Wife was going to give birth. It happened before you thought, so you had to leave the team. So you didn't start against Toronto. She gives birth. You stayed with her yesterday. He's going to rejoin the team in Philadelphia on Saturday. That's the Zolgad blueprint. I'm fine with that. Just you don't write a milk book. this for five days. You, and he's should not. Write, you should really write a book telling people how to, uh, you know, take things away from their personal life to uh, to fill the cup of their profession. I, I think you should. You could do a book tour. You could do a signing. I love this idea. <laughs> this is a really good idea. Uh, all right, since we're since we're being salty and since we're being Richards to start the show, just real quick. Peterson lost the football. It's been a problem over his career. Recovered by Sheldon Richardson. Looks like they're coming again. Smelling points, and they got it. They got Peterson back there. Cam Chancellor. Ball does not come out. It is a safety. Seattle on top. Uh, Adrian Peterson, uh, at least directly or somewhat directly, leading to a bunch of points for the Seahawks last night. He fumbled predictably, 21 carries for 29 yards. And even though he's had a couple good games 
with Arizona. Although the one where he ran for a buck fifty last week, yep. they fed him. They they he touched the ball thirty nine times. Yeah. So like they just fed him the ball, and it was like four yards per per play or something. But uh, Adrian Peterson on the season now with a couple highs, a lot of lows, just over three yards per carry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's just a guy. Yeah. And for being Richards, he's had not to kick a guy while he's fumbling. But no, no. But but for all for all we hear, every time that he has a good game, I get tweets. You see now, you see what all day can do. Does he, he lather himself? And I can't believe Last it's game. not butter before every game. He like just did you step on his pop, hands, the ball just and pops out of his. All right. So last night, though, during the course of the telecast, I think this was in uh, the fourth quarter, if I'm not mistaken. And let me preface this by saying I'm a Collinsworth fan. I think Chris Collinsworth is really, really good and has been for a long time. I was doing some uh, pre-show notes in the kitchen. I had the game on in the other room. And I hear Collinsworth say, if the Cardinals could get Peterson involved in, in the passing game, they wouldn't be so predictable. Adrian is 32 uh, years old. <laughs> Chris, have you been watching the National Football League for the last however many years, 10 years? Yeah. If Adrian Peterson could get involved in the car, that that leads us down the lines of, yeah, and if Miko Koivu scored 50 goals, the Wild would be a lot better. Yeah, they wouldn't need a number one center. And if Brian Dunsing had been a better pitcher, the Twins might have won a World Series. Right, that was an all-time Captain Obvious take by a guy who doesn't give a lot of Captain Obvious He's takes. very good ordinarily. Yeah. Ding, ding. Wilson's got space. Got nobody downfield, though. Circus music. Wilson throwing for Baldwin. Oh my goodness, he caught it! And there goes Baldwin down the sideline. Vintage Seahawk play. Baldwin out of bounds inside the five. Richard, uh, he, he he got his Achilles tonight, and uh, so he's gonna, um, you know, he's gonna get checked and all that kind of stuff. But he, the doctors are really clear about it that uh, he ruptured his Achilles. Yeah, there's no coming back from that until you get surgery and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that was Baldwin on like one leg, just uh, running around on four days rest. Uh, Seahawks win. Then Richard Sherman blew his Achilles last night. Uh, was it Doug Baldwin after the game who said, "This is BS. Yes. These Thursday night games are ridiculous." Because yes. guys are coming. A few. Yeah, because guys are coming back, and they're all banged up at the very least. Probably higher risk of injury, moderate, and then like at great risk of injury for some guys. I don't know if. Richard Sherman blows his Achilles if they play on Sunday instead of Thursday. But my question to you is, like, I get that it's the third or fourth highest rated TV show in any given week, Thursday night football, behind other football shows like Sunday night football yeah. and the pregame show football for night Sunday America night football, pre-game, right? Yes. Um, so I get, I get why the NFL continues to trot out Thursday night football because it still does ratings. People still watch, but do we need it? Like, I feel like if we were to, to do an audit, of all of our favorite sports. And just let's just clean out some of the let's trim the fat here. Let's do we really need Thursday night football? Does Richard Sherman really need to be out there at 60% recovery? You know, one of the best players in the NFL. Dressed do we in, need it? Dressed in one of the most hideous getups I've ever seen last they, night. They Those, blended in with the field. They <laughs> looked like human highlighters last night. Yeah. Uh absolutely not. And but this is one thing where the players are right. It is Stupid, and I get it's a cash grab. It makes them. It, it's a TV contract. Heck, it's two TV contracts. It gives their own network programming. I get all that, but we absolutely don't, and it shouldn't be played. And and it's not. Listen, there have even been some good games this year on Thursdays. There have been a three or four, three I think really decent games, but we don't. It's a. It's 
that sport, if we are really concerned, and I mean, this goes back to a discussion that we've been having for two years, but if you're really concerned about concussions and player safety, how is it a good idea? And I get the Thanksgiving games because those have been there forever and they're fun. But other than that, how is bringing guys back four days after? The comparison that we hear consistently from guys who played this game is it's like being in a, a car accident and waking up on Monday. Yeah. How is it a good idea to come back on Thursday like it's baseball and say, yeah, yeah you know what, let's just play four days after? I know. And you know, I think you know part of the reason why the games oftentimes look sloppy or guys just don't look prepared is because you only really get one, maybe two days of actual practice, and you're not even really practicing because you get one, I think, actual. Day. If, if you, yeah, if you play maybe. on right, if you play on a Sunday, usually you'd get that Monday would be an off day physically. Maybe if you had a Thursday game, a lot of times teams just tell guys go away until Wednesday, like literally don't come back. You know, come in for some treatment, uh, but we're not going to practice or look at film or anything till Wednesday. For a Thursday night game, they come in Monday usually, correct me if I'm wrong, and they watch film and study for the next yeah, game. Yeah, do corrections. And then maybe do like a Tuesday walkthrough practice, but a really like easy practice. Then Wednesday's a travel day. Yep. So you're doing film study, and you're going to be ready to, to go out there for yes. three hours against like highly complicated defenses. Yes. And yeah, I, it's just, it's one of those luxuries in a vacuum. Do I love just flipping on the TV and seeing the Seahawks? I, I love watching the Seahawks. They're a fun team to watch. Do I love watching Peterson fumble? Yeah, I mean, from an entertainment standpoint, I'll watch it. But, and that's why it's the third highest scary. rated TV show. But yeah. it feels like we could trim the fat and maybe get okay, rid of here, this full here's my of question. Thursday night games. Here's my question. If the Thursday night franchise of games went away, and so next year on a Thursday night you're, you're surfing around, are you really going to say, you know what's missing from my life right now? That Thursday night football game. There's no way. You wouldn't miss it. Yeah, and I always kind of, I kind of enjoy. I know you're a little different in that you'll just find any random NHL game during the winter. But I kind of like going through and seeing that Monday Night Football, Thursday Night Football. We're not going to talk about that really tomorrow because the teams are irrelevant. If the Titans are playing uh, the the Cleveland Browns on a Thursday night, I can watch Netflix. I look forward to the nights where I love watching the Wolves. I love watching sports, but one or two nights a week, I want to go watch it at a movie theater down the street. I want to watch. You know, I want to watch uh, catch up and binge on a TV show. And Thursday night football increasingly, selfishly, gives me that opportunity. I don't need to watch Drew Stanton yeah. throwing five-yard checkdowns for three hours. Not, and, I, and I didn't, by the way. Not so. unless you, you've got Drew in the quarterback cesspool challenge, in which case you become very right. happy when he <laughs> skips balls off the turf. Yeah, I picked him the wrong if week. That, if that went away tomorrow, you would not care one no, bit. You'd still you'd find your fine. football fix. You could still... So, the answer to your You'd question still find is, your your main line of football somewhere. The answer to your question is we don't need it, and and more importantly, if you're really concerned about player safety, it's a silly thing to have. Yeah. So we have uh, per usual on Fridays. Write that down at the top of the next hour, ten o'clock. We make our weekly predictions. We go through the accountability session. Todd Furman will help guide us through our weekly NFL picks against the spread, including Vikings and Washington at eleven o'clock. We're going to talk some Gopher hoops today. Because they fire up the season tonight, and they're ranked 15th in the country to start the year. It's a game show Friday, so be listening for your chance to win games on the show. But when we come back, oh, and Judd's keys later this hour. Mm-hmm. Judd's All keys. Ready to go. You have to wake him up for an right, early uh, appearance. Okay, thanks, Dave. <laughs> that was a very, very mean thing to flash me. Um, when we come back here, I feel like Twins fans are used to the free agent process in the offseason being... Mostly a buzzkill. You go into the used DVD section, you pull out a Kevin Correa, you pull out a Mike Pelfrey. There's a report from one of the top national guys 
saying the Twins could make big splashes with their new front office this offseason. Let's talk about that when we come back. Mackie and Judd are back. They're ready to go. It's a relief. It's like, okay, let's go. On 1500 ESPN. Judd, in in years past, like the last, well, forever with with the Twins. I was going to say like the last 10 years. In years past, like the last 50, yes. How would you characterize the majority of Twins off seasons and hot hot stove seasons when the winter meetings come about and all right here's a Twins team that could really use a couple improvements here and there they sure, got a yeah. lot of things going for it like in general how would you characterize your feeling at the end of the winter off season I can give Unfulfilled. you a I can give you a sound eh. yeah yeah now sometimes Irvin Santana was more than a yeah Irvin Santana was a huh okay but in Alaska was a huh. It was actually Nolasco at the time. Was, he was coming off a really good season and had always, he was one of those guys for like five or six years in Miami where he would always, his peripherals always looked great. His pitch, like he, he threw mid 93 miles an hour and he had great strikeout to walk ratios. And it looked like, like this guy should, he's always, he's always at a four and a half ERA, but, and he always had some questionable defense behind him. Like Dan Ugla wasn't a good defensive second baseman and mm-hmm. uh, whatever. And so when they signed him and he was coming off a good year, you thought, oh, okay, okay. A little sp- splishy, splashy here. Ricky Nolasco, Urban Santana the next year, Phil Hughes. So they got a little splashy there at the at the end of the Terry Ryan. Yeah, I was run, still but, like, yeah, whatever. Right. Uh, but in general, it's it's a buzzkill. And if there's top names out there, it, it's usually the Yankees and the top teams with the most budget and the most money in an uncapped league go after them. You brought this to my attention from FanRagSports.com. John Heyman, longtime top Major League Baseball insider. Mm-hmm. If there's a Mount Rushmore of baseball insiders, John Heyman's on it. Kenny Rosenthal's on it. Buster Olney is probably on it. And then, you know, you, you can fight for that last spot. And, and Peter Gammons. I think it's fair to say that John seems like he is also a pretty plugged in with this team, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Like I think he, he's been he plugged gets, in with Thad Levine. I he think gets Thad quite Levine's. a bit of twin scuttlebutt. Yep. Minnesota Twins are said by sources, John Heyman writes, to be considering a run at one of the big free agent starters available after their amazing success story last year. They are thought to be considering even the very top guys, you Darvish, Jake Arrieta, and then he puts these guys in the same sentence. I'm going to put these next two guys in another tier. Lance Lynn and Alex Cobb. As they look to improve off their surprising 2017 playoff team, Twins ownership is said to have big faith in the new management team of Derek Falvey and Thad Levine and is strongly weighing whether to make a big investment in a team that features a very strong offense and a particularly impressive core of young position players. The Twins are not a small market team, but have generally targeted mid-range arms in recent years, importing Irvin Santana, Phil Hughes, and Ricky Nolasco. But now there are signs that they are at least dabbling at the highest end of this market. Very interesting. Which leads to this. Hmm. Intriguing. It is. Um, I saw this, and but here, here's where I think we need to sort of just slow down for a second and understand that the most, and this goes back to the day that Falvey took this job. We don't know. It, now, our assumption has, or I think the assumption of many has been for a long time, typical poll ads, they're cheap. Terry Ryan works for the poll ads, therefore Terry is doing what the poll ads want. Okay, that's the assumption. But from the day that Falvey got this job, Jim Polad attempted to 
and I don't know if this is right or wrong, but Jim Polad attempted to make it very clear at different times, especially as things went south. Terry has the ability to spend. Basically, he's not doing it. Yes. So we are now we are now to the first time really that Falvey is going to have an opportunity to dip into the free agent pool and do whatever he wants. And there is a chance. There is a chance here that he's been told, yeah, sure. Yeah, I would I would characterize the Polad's role, Jim Polad's role in pulling back the reins on payroll this way. The Twins, it's it's an uncapped league, and the misperception is, well, there's no salary cap. Everyone can spend whatever they want, and like while that's true, every owner is a billionaire. So those they, they, that all kind of cancels out. And most owners outside of you know, late-in-life Mike Illich with the Tigers are operating within the constructs of how much money they bring in from TV deals and gate revenue and merchandise revenue. Uh, they're not. They're not going to take a fifty million dollar loss to chase a championship. So you're operating within sort of the constraints of a, of a glass ceiling on top of you. Where the Yankees, there's a lot more people in New York. It's a more popular brand. It's a TV deal that brings in probably eight to ten times as much as the Twins do, maybe more than that on an annual basis. So they're just like they have more baseball revenue coming in. That's the realm in which the pull that's pull back the reins. This isn't going to be a two hundred million dollar payroll team. But when we're talking about like 110 million versus 140 million or 100 in that range, that was more Terry Ryan pulling back the reins. A good example is this front office comes in and they decide we don't have enough front office personnel. We don't have enough of an analytics department. We need to expand our scouting, our video scouting. We need to go we need to go for maybe even some unconventional hires. Let's go pluck John Manuel from Baseball America. Mhm. Uh, so they're expanding. They're 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 spending a lot more money internally beefing up. Now they're not spending like fifty million dollars to beef up their front office, but they went to Jim Polad's a passive owner. He's not a baseball guy. He's looking to hire somebody to tell him what's best. I trust you. You tell me what's best. These guys are going to him and saying, "Let's add personnel. Let's go this. Let's let's add an eight million dollar a year borderline starting catcher in Jason Castro." If you take something to Jim Polad within reason, right, and you say, "All right, this isn't going to bump our payroll to two hundred million. It might bump it to one thirty, one forty, right." And here's why we should spend money on it. I've never heard behind the scenes, and I covered that team very closely for four years. I've never heard him say no. In fact, I don't think he ever said no to anything Terry Ryan brought to him. I mean, from a free agent standpoint. Did Terry ever go to him and say, let's get Zach Grinke for $35 million a year? I don't think those conversations were ever brought to the poll ads. And so their lack of curiosity should be criticized, the poll ads. Their lack of spending money on free agents, that was more of a Terry Ryan thing. And the Nolasco signing was a classic Terry example of, I want to dip my toe in the pool, but I just want to dip it there very, very quickly. And so instead of going and pursuing uh, somebody who could have given you much more, you go and sign a guy for a lot who you think to yourself, okay, he's okay, but he's just okay. I am, the more that this progresses down the path with the Twins, I am very curious to see what these guys are going to, to do. And I think I think for any of us to sit here and assume that we know is wrong. These guys are, it, it, this is a different show now. And the one thing that I will say from a business standpoint that's intriguing now that, that the Twins might be... Um, willing to go along with is this we are in an incredibly competitive 
and relatively small market. The Twins turned an important corner last year that I think we thought it would take at least two years to turn. And now that that's taken place, I think there is an argument to be made that if these guys can continue down this path and potentially speed this process up, you're talking about putting a lot of people back in target field. You're talking about the TV ratings going back up or continuing to climb. From a business standpoint, you could be, if you go and sign a top-line pitcher this winter, you give yourself the opportunity, business-wise and team-wise, to become much more competitive. And when you're talking about the Wolves are improving, the Vikings are always the king of this town, and and you're talking about a market that has a lot of competition for the dollar. If you continue to progress quickly, it's going to help you. Now, where I would okay, so that, that's the first part of the conversation. Are they going to be able to spend? I think the answer is yes. Now, are they going to be able to spend? Like, if if they wanted to go and get you Darvish on an eight year deal for two hundred, you know, I don't think he's going to make that kind of money. Okay, then does ownership come in and say, ah, I don't know about committing that many years, and that would be the right hesitation. Do you want to commit a lot of money to a 29-year-old a U Darvish who hasn't been quite as good the last two years as the previous three before that, who was awful in the World Series against one of the best lineups in baseball? Like, Do you want to pay $20 million, $25 million a year on a five- or six-year deal for you know, a guy who's probably not in that top category of pitchers? I would hesitate on that a little bit. Uh, same for Jake Arrieta, who used to be the best pitcher in the National League two or three years ago. Now he's more just—he's not just a guy, but he's somewhere between there. He's like right. a number three starter he's now. He's not dominant. He's now, thirty-two but, years old. He's a yeah. very good starter, and he'd be better than almost anyone you know not named Jose Barrios or Irvin Santana that you've put out there the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Lance Lynn was a very good starter and a very durable starter for a few years there with St. Louis, but he missed the entire 2016 season surgery. Bounced back, was nice last year, wasn't dominant. National League guy. Like, the, those guys are going to command 15 plus million dollars a year because of yep. their previous track records. They're still in their prime right now. Do I want to go like five years on a guy? And I've told you this the Granky deal is exhibit A of term scares me. I'm not, if you are, if you are nearing 30 and you're a starting pitcher, do I really want to be paying you at 35? And actually, the, the Grinky deal, I believe, was. Uh, was a five-year deal, but more money per year. Yeah. So there are wor- right. there are worse examples, but yeah. I mean, your point is, do you want to pay a thirty-five-year-old guy a ton of money? And the answer is prob- probably not. But but what I think is intriguing about this is it d- this opens a window to the opportunity that what we once thought was an ownership-only deal might not be. Yeah. It's the there's been a the, the payroll conversation in this town has been it's just been so overplayed and. I think misguided in a lot of ways. And I've been super critical of the poll ads for a bunch of other reasons. But I just, the perception was that they were coming down the steps and tapping Terry Ryan on the shoulder and saying, uh-uh. Right, yeah. And that wasn't that <laughs> wasn't the case. So, you know, what, like you said off the top of the segment, we don't know what these guys are going to do because they're not really open books. They're not kicking their feet up on the desk like Flip, Flip Saunders after a long day yeah. and you know, talking to Doogie and talking to everybody else. Uh, one thing that I... That, that drove me nuts about the Twins for a long time. How they spent money was always a big problem. So maybe they had a glass ceiling limited budget compared to the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Phillies, and the, like the top six or seven markets, the Giants in the country. But if you're going to get $120 or $130 million to spend here this upcoming season, or in the past, if you're going to get up to $115 or $120 million five years ago, why are you spending $8 million of it on Mike Pelfrey, 
another like three million dollars on Kevin Correa, who you could literally pay someone league minimum to go put up a four and a half ERA. Mm-hmm. Why? Why are you spending over twenty million dollars combined on Phil Hughes and Ricky Nolasco? I want them to think more about how they're spending that money. I'd rather, and and as it turns out, Phil Hughes and Ricky Nolasco weren't durable either. So you, not only were they ineffective, they were also not durable. Yeah, it didn't so work out. If on I'm going to spend twenty million dollars on something, and durability is going to be a concern anyways, right? You know, I, okay, then you Darvish, come on down. Yeah. I, I, if so, if you're going to go, if you have if you have twenty five million dollars to spend this off season, go after a Wade Davis. Hell, okay. If the if the terms are reasonable, go after a you Darvish. Don't get crazy and sign him for six years and and two hundred million dollars. But but, but he'll ter- be in that mix. Terry two point though went to that. He always went to that one bin, that like third or fourth bin that most of us were like, really, you're going there. And then it's like the checkout the, lane at the supermarket. Then, oh, look, it's Love the, Actually for two dollars. And then the the double whammy of this entire conversation is. He would go there, find a guy, and often then like the guy a lot. I mean, Pelf, as far as I know, was a great guy, right? Great teammate. Mike Pelfrey's a great teammate. You know what we should do? We should keep him around. Uh, uh, no. No, it didn't work. Yeah. I mean, Nolasco got himself out because I think he, he was also a first-class jerk. But for the most part, you consider the amount of guys who were in that clubhouse who the Twins said, yeah, we really like him yeah. a lot. And, and also, you know, since the, the, the finance climate changed for the Twins when they got the new stadium eight years ago now, they haven't had a whole lot of opportunities to supplement a really good nucleus that's playoff ready. I mean, they did it 2009, 2010 into 2011. They did. They spent on, you know, Pavano an extension. Jim Tomey they brought in. They had uh, they brought in J.J. Uh, Hardy via trade, who was making like $8 million. They brought in Orlando Hudson. So they they did beef that team up, and that was, I think, like the, the 12th highest payroll in baseball at one point, and then they lost 99 games with it. So this is really one of the first opportunities with an actual playoff team and a really good young nucleus yes. ready to be supplemented yes. either via trade or free agency. It's amazing to think about that. This is, they played eight seasons in target field with you know the, their different financial situation. And again, it ain't the Red Sox financial situation, but it ain't the Rays financial situation either. So we'll see. John Heyman saying the Twins could splash around in, in the deep end of the free agency pool. All right, let's Is do Judd's it. Is Judd's keys let's ready? Let's do it. I believe so. Dave, are my keys produced and set to go? Because my portion did, of it did is Did Judd done. even do anything for these keys? Looking at the actual keys, he did very little. That's not true. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I think they're executing. I think the plans that they have is very good. Mackey and Judd. He's still got a long way to go, but it's great. On 1500 ESPN. Well, you hear that? Sounds like we're ready to unlock a vault of knowledge bombs. Here comes Judd Zolgad's keys. Judd's keys, weekly keys to a Vikings victory, this time over the Washington football Redskins. I hope so. You hope they win or you hope that the football Redskins, I hope that's what they are. The the Washington football Redskins, like the New York football Giants. I always like that term. What? What? I'm confused. Nothing. <laughs> Where's the car crash sound? He's already killed Never mind. the segment. He's Never mind. already killed it. Never mind. When you said foot <laughs> when you said football Redskins, I just said I hope so. All right, let's get moving. Let's, Key number five. Let's get let's just go. Let's Welcome just go. to the show. Let's just go. Key folks. number five. It's a Friday. Well, 
Oh, okay, here we go. Here come the excuses. All right. I no, there's the no excuses. I'm very proud of headlines this week. I took a cue from a couple of something that happened a couple nights ago. It was the Country Music Awards on our very own Channel 5 ABC. So I went back and I researched what I used to have a very strong love of country music. And that's our theme this week. So for key number five, we go to the old legend herself, Dolly Parton. again. That's what Washington's thinking, right, Jeff? That's exactly what they're thinking, Dave. That was very good because last year, last year when the Vikings uh, got off to a 5-0 and start and then went into a tailspin, consecutive loss number four came at FedEx Field as the Vikings lost to Washington 26-20 to that day. Kirk Cousins uh, threw for two touchdown passes. Somebody named Preston Smith had a couple sacks and also a key interception against Sam Bradford. You, if you're the Vikings coming out of the bye, need to come back stronger. And don't forget also, coming out of the bye last week, Mr. Mackey and Harrigan, the Vikings lost at Philadelphia for loss number one, which is when Zim melted down and sent them into a complete tailspin. So you're going back to Washington. You're getting a chance to redeem yourself and to improve to 7-2. and two. So here you come again has to be better than it was last year. All right, key number four to a Vikings win. Key number four goes back a few weeks when uh, Dalvin Cook went down with the injury. You know, this team could have gotten down on themselves. They could have been real sad. They could have been bummed out. But instead, they took a key from the man in black. Get rhythm. When you get the blues, come on, get rhythm. That's right, Johnny, and the guy that's got the rhythm in this case is actually one of Phil Mackey's favorites, Jarek McKinnon. 122 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown in uh, the Vikings' last game against the Browns. More importantly, here is an interesting Jarek McKinnon stat for you, especially uh, with Dalvin Cook out for the season. 424 yards from scrimmage and four TDs in the past four games. So uh, uh, while the Vikings' run game has certainly become a viable option, it's been done in large part because Jarek McKinnon not only not only is a threat out of the backfield when he runs the ball, but also is a threat out of the backfield in catching the ball. Yeah, he is. It's, I think last year we were left to wonder, is Jarek McKinnon not as... Maybe not the player we kind of thought he was a couple years ago, and the answer is nope. It was the offensive line. Yep. If you if if he's not being uh, yes, roughed up as soon as he gets the ball in the backfield, he has time. He hits the hole. He catches passes, and uh, we should talk more about this maybe later on in the hour. I think somebody's going to give him maybe starting running back money when he becomes available. So that might be a thing for the Vikings. To look at all right. Key number three. Key number three. The Vikings know this about a former teammate. They'll be playing this weekend. Let's cue Linda Ronstadt. (laughs) Oh, that's so mean. And yet so accurate. (laughs) TJ Clemmings. Now, now here's the thing. The Washington offensive line has been a complete mess about the past two games or so. I saw that in practice, they got uh, this week, their left guard back. They got their center back. They got their right guard back. What they didn't, or who they didn't get back, was left tackle Trent Williams, meaning that there is a fighting chance T.J. Clemmings will start his third consecutive game at left tackle for Washington on Sunday. Better them than us. And if it is T.J. Clemmings at left tackle, whoever is at right end is going to have potentially a huge game for the Vikings. Is he the biggest? How much money does he make? 
Can't be that much. It's a fourth round pick, so not very much. He's still on a rookie contract because the Vikings this is six figures. Well, he got five hundred thousand. Yeah, it's not much. It's not gonna be. My question was gonna be: Is he the biggest thief in the NFL? But he's not. It's not a huge heist because he's not making yeah. Matt Khalil money to to be terrible at left tackle. He's not, but I think the argument that you could probably make or the question that you could ask about him is, is is he the most inept starter in the league right now? Has Everson Griffin, be case. who's been on the injury list, but yep. has he said anything about uh, TJ? Because he called out the Lions left tackle. I think he's done his very best just to be quiet about it. Probably I mean, it's going to be... It's going... Whoever gets to play that a defensive end spot on Sunday is going to get two sacks. You know, Daniil Hunter's sack totals are down this season. He might do it. This back. might be a good reclamation game for him. All right, key number two, Judd's keys. Key number two, it's been a good bye week. It's been a restful bye week. But as the Vikings know, uh, they, I mean, you just got to get back to work, right, Willie? On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. Some of your best production yet. David, because the Vikings will be on the road for um, much of the second half of the season as well, starting in Washington. And the key now is to come out of the bye strong. Mike Zimmer, just a little stat for you here, boys. Mike Zimmer coming out of the bye since taking over the Vikings in 2014 is 1-2. Two. 2014, they lost to the Bears 21-13. Uh, 2015, they came out of the bye in week after week 5 and won 16-10 over Kansas City. And then last year, I told you, week six, after that bye, they came out and lost at Philadelphia 21-10. to And so what you need to do here is if you're a serious contender is you need to go into the bye strong and just as importantly, come out of the bye strong as you embark on having only three home games left. And let's if they lose, let's avoid, if you're Mike Zimmer, Ruffling all the feathers in the locker room. <laughs> Melting and, and down. Like, if they lose, it's not the end of the world. Washington is a good team. They beat Seattle last week. You know, it's let's not call out your offensive line again for being soft, although that, that proved to be true, and there's really no reason to do that this time around. So Mike Zimmer, just like, if you lose, yeah, it would, it would be a buzzkill. Key number one, Judd's keys to a Vikings win. Key number one, let's go to another country superstar from years ago. Randy Travis. Gonna need me again. It's just a matter of time. And that's what number five in a white jersey is going to be saying on Sunday as he watches the game with a baseball hat on a clipboard, but a helmet nearby for the first time in 14 and a half months. Because it's only a matter of time until it becomes Teddy's time once again. Starting on Sunday. Everybody is going to be saying, I wonder when he's going to play. And no matter what Matthew Collar tries to say, that there will be no quarterback controversy at Winter Park because these two guys are both very good team players and they're even keel human beings. There is a controversy that will brew constantly until Teddy Bridgewater plays again. Yeah, he did. There's a headline on 1590ESPN.com. Bridgewater and Keenum's personalities make Vikings controversy proof. Now... (laughs) I can see how, like, off the field, even even that, though, you think, oh, Teddy's a nice guy. He's not going to get arrested for anything. Case Keenum's not going to be like Jared from Subway, right? He's a, He looks like a good guy. I don't know. That's what they said about Bill Cosby. I'd be careful with headlines like this. <laughs> the Minnesota Vikings. Controversy proof and NFL do not go together. Yeah. And Vikings do not go together. Matthew, uh, I'm going to give him a pass here because he's still sort of new. Sort of and new. he's from Buffalo. And he's from Buffalo. But anybody who says the Vikings are controversy-proof 
on any level is usually absolutely wrong. Yep. They're never controversial. So those are Judd's five keys to a Vikings victory, executively produced by Dave Harrigan once again. You're welcome, Judd. Great job, Dave. <laughs> really great job. in that segment. You yeah, did a good job. Uh, write that down is coming up. I do want to uh, let's talk more about Jarek McKinnon when we come back here. Uh, his his pace through the four games since Dalvin Cook's injury is incredible. Uh, write that down predictions at 10 o'clock. Todd Furman with our NFL predictions against the spread, including Vikings and Washington at 11. And it is a game show Friday here on Mackie and Judd. So listen to find out how you can win prizes. Mackie and Judd are back. Are you ready to kick it up? On 1500 ESPN. Show your gratitude this Veterans Day. Ado Garris with 1500 ESPN and CenturyLink. Garage Logic will be broadcasting live from O'Gara's in St. Paul, and they'll be there today from 1 to 3. Powered by CenturyLink. During the broadcast today, all veterans are invited to enjoy a free meal and 25% of sales will be donated to local military charity serving our troops. More details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. Just know it's O'Gara's 1 to 3 today. Oh, man. Um, excited uh, to be back out there with the guys. It's been a long journey. So uh, to be able to get back out there with the guys and um, know that you know, I'm going to be dressing this week and just excited. Teddy Bridgewater, all smiles, all the time, pretty much. Have you ever seen that guy mad? Other than like, you know, like when he hurt his knee, <laughs> I'm sure he was upset, but no. Uh, so Teddy will be the backup this weekend. He's a flatline guy. Yep. You brought up Jarek McKinnon mm-hmm. in your five keys to a Vikings win. And we went over these numbers the day after the Vikings win over Cleveland on our show that he's on a 16 game pace. If you take the four games, he's been the starter since Dalvin cook went out. He's on a 16 game pace to rush for a thousand yards on just 230 carries. Cause he's not, he's not the bell cow that, you know, that he's not getting 20 carries a game, but He's on pace to also catch 80 passes over the course of a 16-game stretch for 650 to 700 yards and a bunch of touchdowns, like 10 to 15 touchdowns somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And only a handful of players since 1990 have ran for 1,000 yards over 16 games in a season and caught 80 passes. And it's the names you would think. It's the Ladanian Tomlinsons. It's Le'Veon Bell one time. Marshall Falk, right? Marshall Falk did it. I think he was the only one to do it multiple times since 1990. So I'm not saying it's sustainable or that Jarek McKinnon is Marshall Falk, but these are pretty head-turning things he's doing in the last month. And it helps that you know he's he's getting the spotlight because Dalvin Cook went out and the offensive line is good. But he's an unrestricted free agent after this year is over. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the the money that some running backs that are kind of questionable make in the NFL right now, like Chris Ivory for the Jaguars, Makes six and a half million dollars per year. Right now, the Vikings are paying Jarek McKinnon seven hundred thousand dollars to the cap, mm-hmm. and so so he's going to go into the free agent market this upcoming offseason as a starting running back candidate, right? Because he's unless he gets hurt or something, he'll have another sure another eight games on his resume that yes. that looks somewhat like this. Yep. You know, Eddie Lacy made four and a half million dollars. Right now, would you rather have Eddie Lacy or would you rather have Jarek McKinnon? The answer is easy, right? Jarek McKinnon. Let's see. One guy is fat and unpredictable, and one guy is pretty solid. Yeah. Um, Lamar Miller is fine. He's, he's not, just kind of he's a guy. He's not coming back, right? Six and a half million dollars? Well, that's the question. I mean, Dalvin Cook. What do you do? Dalvin Cook is. Would you pay him five million dollars and have a kind of a timeshare? Get rid of Latavius Murray? You know what? That's a tough weapon to you, lose. You, 
It is, but in a in a cap driven league where I have where every financial decision I make has an implication, especially when my defense is as good as my defense is, and I'm going to continue to have to pay guys there at running back, which is my contention is it's you want running backs who can do multiple things, but I can find those guys. And Dalvin Cook's going to come back, and and unless something goes wrong, he's going to come back at full strength. I probably don't pay him. I probably don't pay him. Now, if he played a different position and that skill set was harder to find, then I do. Yeah, But I can, tough, as man. much as I like him, I probably can find someone who I am almost as comfortable with pretty quickly. And, yeah. and De- Dalvin Cook's intangibles, if, if he can stay on the field, I mean, he brings you intangibles, and he also brings you the ability, once again, to run the ball, to catch the yeah. ball, and to block. I mean, I'm looking through some of these salaries of other running backs. If I'm Jarek McKinnon's representative, he starts at $4 million. Now, the top running back, this is just average annual value per year, because sometimes these contracts get kind of weird. Le'Veon Bell makes $12 million per year. That's kind of what Peterson was making for a long time, and now he's making, you know, whatever, a couple million dollars. Devontae Freeman's at $8 million, LaShawn McCoy, 8 There's some guys at 7 6 a bunch of guys at 6 5 Once you get down to, like, the 15th through 20th highest-paid running backs, yep. that's the Shane Vereen, old Frank Gore, <laughs> Matt Forte, Jonathan Stewart, Eddie Lacy group, and they all make $4 million. So Jarek McKinnon, to me, starts at $4 million as an unrestricted free agent for a team that's looking for a versatile weapon. Do you pay him? If if you're the Vikings, do you pay him? I don't. My God. Um, well, so Dalvin Cook's around a million and a half on his yep. second second round contract deal. So it's a little bit. Yep. So do you could could you get Jarek McKinnon back on a two three year deal with some guarantees, four million dollars a year, and I, you'd be giving and, and he'd be making two or three times more than Dalvin Cook to get fewer touches. And I think some and I think some team, unless I'm wrong here, I think there's some team that's going going to come along and offer pretty good money up front, which if you're the Vikings, you probably don't want to do. There's just something to be said for having I'm with you. weapons, right? Because sure. if, I guess you could, you could because it's a two-year deal for Murray if you want it to be. You could bring Latavius Murray back. But I think we've we've seen, now that we've seen eight games and parts of all three running backs, is it any question that Dalvin Cook and Jarek McKinnon are for sure a platform above Latavius Murray? When you just watch them get the ball and what they're right. capable of doing, now, Murray, like if you had to use Murray for 20 touches a game, I don't think it'd be a disaster. But to me, with the eye test, there'd be a significant drop-off between what he can give you and what Jarek McKinnon, athletic, just athletic-wise, right? Right, but versatility. Cook's coming back, and Cook is really, really good. I just don't know if I if if I need to be paying guys like uh, Stefan Diggs in the coming years, and I need to be yeah, trying right. to retain guys on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know if I, I want to be starting at four mil for a guy who ultimately is going to be the backup to Delvin Cook. How does the comp work there? Like you, you if he signed a big you contract, you get what, what, what could you get in draft pick comp? Oh, I think draft pick comp starts in, in if I'm not mistaken, the third round. Now, <laughs> I think it starts third and goes through the seventh. And, okay. and McKinnon would probably get enough to get you something around the fourth round or fifth round. Yeah. All right, but that wouldn't be it wouldn't until be great, 2019. Be Correct. You wouldn't get that draft pick until. And if McKinnon was your later. guy, I'd probably keep him, but he's not. Danny Woodhead makes three million dollars. Does he really? So Jarek McKinnon's going to make. Does he really make three million? Yeah. Rex Burkhead for the Patriots makes three million dollars. Wow. So yeah, he's going to get paid. He's going to sure get he four or five million dollars a year to be someone's. I don't know. At least like a timeshare running back. Interesting. It's a game show Friday. We're going to give away prizes at some point between now and 1 o'clock. Todd Furman, 
with our Pros or Joes segment. And uh, I know we haven't teased. Mike Mike Morris is out today until the after. He's going to be in, I think, this afternoon. With Murph. Yep. But uh, he's got an appointment today that he can't miss, and so he's not going to join us from noon to one today. But you can find us on Vikings Vent Line on Sunday. In fact, every Vikings game, you can find us right when the final whistle blows. Vikings Vent Line, Superstar Mike Morris and I taking your phone calls. And uh, that's podcastable on demand. You can find it on our website, 1500ESPN.com, and also iTunes or anywhere you would find on-demand or podcast content. When we come back, it's our weekly, one of our favorite segments, Write That Down Predictions and an Accountability Session. Mackie and Judd on this Friday.